0: How many of you are ready for the second half of what we started last week? (laughs) Amen. So let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That you would open the eyes of our understanding so that we may know what is the hope of our calling and what is the glorious inheritance of the riches of the saints in Christ Jesus and what is the greatness of your mighty working power to those of us. Who believe in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to quickly recap what happened last week. We talked about the kingdom, and that the kingdom was the main message that Jesus preached. And if it was his main message, why is it that we don't know anything about it? We talked about Genesis 126, the domain menu, the, do, the domain mandate and where Jesus told mankind, he told Adam to rule the earth. He gave him dominion over the earth. God has ownership, but he leased the earth out to Adam and gave him uh, rulership to rule and to be an extension of the kingdom of heaven into the earth. And we said that there were two sons. God had the first son, Adam, which was born after the flesh, and the second son, Jesus, who was born after the spirit. And you and I either walk in the flesh under the first son, Adam, or we walk under the spirit. After the second son, Jesus. And we said, if you want to know what the second son gave, you have to study what the first son lost. And we discovered that Adam lost his glory. And uh, Jesus gave that glory back. So that now full restoration has taken place. And we can be the extension of the rule of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. And no longer do we have to be bound by the kingdom of darkness. So... We left off with Colossians 3 1 through 3. And it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So my life and your life is hidden with Christ in god you and i came out of god in genesis 1:26, he said god said let us make man in our image and according to our likeness in ephesians 1 and 4 it tells us that god chose you and he chose me before the foundations of the world in psalm 139 15 and 16 he says my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was none of them. So I rattle through these three scriptures and kind of quickly because I wanted to let you see that somehow you and I existed in the mind of God before we were even made by God. And he says that all of your days were ordained before you ever got here physically in this world. So God created us. To create means to make something out of nothing. You and I came from God. We were created in his likeness. The Bible says that all of our days were ordained and I was created in Christ Jesus for good works. So I came out of God. You and I came out, we were created in his likeness, we were formed in his likeness. Adam was like his father, so he spoke like his father. My nephew, Garth, is uh, my, ne- my, my, my nephew, Trey, is my brother-in-law's son, Garth. And when we go home for holidays and we go to see the family, the minute I walk in the door and Trey opens his mouth and starts to speak, Dallas and I go, wow, boy, you sound just like your daddy and his mannerisms are just like his father. You see, that's what God did. He created us and he made us in his image. So just like Adam, if you would have seen Adam in the garden, you would have said, boy, you look just like your daddy. Boy, you sound just like your daddy. Isn't that something when you speak, everything gets identity. So we talked last week about the power of the words. We were created by God and all of our days were ordained so that by Christ for For good works, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should walk in these good works. So your spirit. It somehow existed before you ever had a body, and somehow you existed in the mind of God, and God had a plan, God had a predestined plan for your life, but it is up to you and it is up to me to live out that plan. So we were created in Christ. I want to establish here, because in Colossians 3, he keeps saying, in Christ, and even in the epistles, you hear, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Jesus is not Christ's last name. Christ means the anointing or the anointed one. Anointing is the description of the residency of the Holy Spirit. Christ is the residency of the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus the man went up to... And he was seated at the right hand of the Father. But Christ, the anointing, the anointed one, stayed here in, in on earth and in earth. So, what you and I operate in, as Ephesians says, is in Christ we operate in the anointing, in the glory, in the weight, in the view, in the judgment, in the expectation of God. That's what glory means. So. If, I'm, I'm rattling through a lot. I'm kind of laying a foundation for you, so we're going somewhere. So hang in there. I hope you got your notebooks. Write these scriptures down. You're going to want to go back and chew over these. You're going to want to read uh, read back over these scriptures because it takes a long time to process and change and get our mind to think kingdom thoughts, to think in the kingdom and understand and grasp. Remember I said last week that the kingdom message is not easy because God hides the kingdom, and it's up to us to seek it out. So so hang on with me. John 1 and 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw, we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. How do we see His glory? How can you see glory? Glory is not a mist. Glory is not a fog. You know, we, we hear that all the time, right? We think that the glory is some kind of cloud that well, rolls in the room. You know, that that's not the glory because if you if you see that kind of a cloud, you can't a cloud of and a mist can't be full of grace and it can't be full of truth. So, what did they see if they saw his glory? What were they seeing in the life of Jesus Christ? They were seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus multiplied fishes and he multiplied loaves. Jesus performed miracles. Jesus spoke to a storm and he spoke to waves and he calmed them and he rebuked a storm and it obeyed. So even the winds and the seas obeyed him. Jesus demonstrated his glory. It was the anointing because he was the anointed one. And they saw what the father saw because Jesus saw what the Father saw, and they saw that through Jesus Christ by His function of the anointing being evidenced through miracle signs and wonders. Is this making any sense to anyone? So the anointing sees what God sees. And the anointing hears what God hears. So your anointing that's inside of you can see what God sees and your spirit can hear what God hears and your spirit can hear that because it's the Holy Spirit who tells you what the weight of God, what the view of God, what the opinion of God, what the expectation of God is because the Holy Spirit knows the will of God and the will of God is the word of God. So therefore, when you are filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you begin to operate in the will of God, which is the word word of God. So when you operate in in Christ, in the anointing, and remember last week we said that the kingdom is in you, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's inside of you. So when you operate in Christ, in the anointing, the kingdom begins to move and live through you. It's in you but it starts to move and live through you and that's how someone like Smith Wigglesworth could have walked on this earth and performed miracles and signs and wonders and raised the dead and healed the sick and prayed for people and cast out demons because he started to understand a principle just merely a man but he knew that the kingdom of God was in him and the anointing of God was within him and he began to operate in that. So Jesus' idea was not for him to be the only One anointed, but for everyone born again in him to be anointed. That was what Jesus wanted. He said in his word, greater works will I do, will you do than I because I go to my father. So Jesus claims that I can do what he did because I can have what Jesus had, which is the anointing. So the title of this message is, Can You Change Your Thinking? So I'm going to ask you, can you change your thinking? Can you change your thinking? You, have to, you can't think about the kingdom through a church filter. You have to change the filter. So when Jesus ascended to heaven, Christ, the anointing, needed a new body because the Holy Spirit didn't go up to heaven with Jesus. In Acts 2, in the upper room, we see where Christ was settling on another body, the church. And here's what happened. Jesus Christ gave his final address, and he told us and gave us instructions, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? And he told us what to do. And when he finished, in the, and Jesus was ascended, and he went up into heaven in his bodily form. And his body went to heaven, but he didn't take the Holy Spirit with him. The Holy Spirit stayed here on the earth. So now Jesus Christ was housing the full deity of God. We're told so in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 that Jesus housed the full deity of God in his physical body. Jesus Christ is the only man who has ever been able to house the fullness of God in his body since Adam fell. Are you with me? Are you following me? Adam had the fullness of the weight of the glory of God behind his words. Because when Adam spoke, things got their identity. He said if, it, if it's a lion, he called it, if he called it a lion, it became a lion. Remember, we went over that last week. So Jesus Christ, after Adam fell, he lost that weight and that glory. And no one person has ever been able to withhold the glory and the fullness of the anointing of God since then until Jesus Christ the man came. And then he fully housed the deity, the anointing of God within his physical body. He went up into heaven, and when he took his body to heaven, the anointing needed a new body. And you see in Acts chapter 2, the body was the body of Christ in which he said, Go and stay in an upper room and do not come out until you be endued with power from on high. And cloven tongues of fire began to rest upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But watch this. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Spirit and the fullness of God does not rest on any one individual. You and I cannot handle the full deity, the full weight, the full view, the full opinion, the full majesty, the full splendor, which is the glory. All these are the definitions of glory. You and I in my body, in your body, cannot hold the full deity of God in our physical body. So God divided them into the five offices he, he divided the anointing, the Holy Spirit, into five offices of the Holy Spirit. He divided them into nine gifts of the Spirit, and he settled them on the body. He gave us apostle. He gave us teacher. He gave us shepherd. He gave us evangelist. And he gave us pastor. So I have to come together in... In physical person in a room like this with a body, and as a body, we come together and we combine all five of the offices, all nine of the gifts, and you and I, and when we all come together, we represent the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, the full measure of the stature of the anointing of the Holy Spirit within us together. No wonder why the devil doesn't want us to go to church. No wonder why there are laws that have been written and, governor, and the governor of California is allowing people to go to bars, they can go to Walmart, they can go anywhere they want, but they cannot step foot in the door of the church. Because Satan knows that if we will come together, the Holy Spirit, the glory, not the cloud, not the mist, but the full weight of God, the fullness of God himself, the full glory, the full splendor, the full majesty of God Almighty will begin to rest through you. You and I, we are the body of Christ, and Jesus is at the head. (laughs) Hebrews 10.25, now you understand why we were told in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're seeing the day drawing near. It's all the more reason why we need to be in church. I also find it kind of crazy that here in the middle of a COVID pandemic, people right here in Cincinnati, Ohio can go anywhere and not have to worry about COVID except at church. They can go to Walmart. They can go to the grocery I know people who can go and go on vacation and make trips and they can go to school, take their kids to school because I'm not going to get COVID in any of these places over here, but we're going to stay home because we'll get COVID if we go to church. Who do you think is behind that irrational kind of thinking? Who do you think is lying to you and telling you that if you go to church, you're going to get COVID? Who, is, who do you think is behind that? Because Satan knows the power of the glory of God. What happens in a room when we all come together in unity. We experience the fullness of the power of the anointing of God. The problem is... We are the body of Christ, but we don't have the mind of Christ. So we're going to go back to our scripture verse of the day, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you were raised with Christ, that's the anointing, seek those things which are above where Christ, the anointed one, is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ, the anointed one, in God. So God hides things. We have already been crucified with Christ. We are dead to the old man. We are dead to old identities. We are dead to old labels, but our life is hidden in God. It's hidden in the anointing, who I really am. God talked in the anointing John 7 and 38 says he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart that's his innermost being will flow rivers of living water rivers of living water are symbolic of the Holy Spirit it's the innermost being it's the gut it's the belly that's why we say go with that gut feeling because there's something to that gut feeling because it's where God has housed your spirit it's where your spirit is. See, your anointing is your CIA. It's your Central Intelligence Agency. 1 Corinthians 2:11 says for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit knows the things of God because the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God and he knows the Word of God because he is God. The Holy Spirit also was there from the foundations of the earth beforehand but when you and I were just a thought in God's mind and we existed in his mind and somehow our spirit was in heaven before the foundations of the earth and the Holy Spirit knew that because he was there and the Holy Spirit knows who I was destined to be because I was created in God before God even said let there be light so God tucked his spirit in my anointing and all I was created to be the problem is my head has no clue because it has eaten from the tree I have a mind that is eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I have an anointing that knows who I really am in God. Because we're told in Colossians 3 that my life is hidden with Christ in God. So therein lies the contradiction of life. That's why I feel there's something more. That's why I feel like there's more that I'm supposed to be inside of me. That gnawing feeling deep inside of you that will not let go. That voice that's screaming to you. You are more than this. But your mind has no clue. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 and seven tells me that word think does not mean a passing thought that word thinks it, what it means is it's what you and I have embraced as a belief system what you and I have embraced as a belief system so are we the only action that describes my state of being is that of my thought life my thinking defines my is My current reality is a product of what I thought about yesterday. You are where you are today because of how you think in your mind. You cannot live above your level of revelation. You and I cannot live above the level of what we know. Your life rises to the level of what you know. The only way to elevate your living is to elevate what you know. Your wardrobe was a thought and some of you, not a really good one, but it was a thought and here you sit in whatever you thought you would wear. That chair that you're sitting in was a thought before it became a reality. I am living in Steve Jobs' thought life because I have an iPhone. He thought an iPhone, and now I am living in the reality of his thought life. We get frustrated because we have greatness tucked inside of us, but we have carnal minds fighting against what the anointing knows is inside of us. And carnal just means fleshly. When we hear carnal, we think perversion and lust. It just means fleshly, worldly thinking. So Satan, let me tell you this, are you ready, is not God's enemy. Can you change your thinking? Satan is not God's enemy. Satan is our enemy. I told you last week, God has already defeated Satan, and Jesus Christ made a spectacle out of him. But 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us it's your enemy adversary the devil it is your adversary the devil who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour satan is our enemy you want to know who god's enemy is romans 8 6 and 7 says for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against god the thing fighting god is not satan The thing fighting God is your thought life. Will you change your thinking? You see, being the body of the anointing, it does you and I no good if we don't have the mind of Christ, the mind of the anointing, because we do not arrive at the destination of our anointing. We arrive at the destination of our thinking. What if you had been anointed To be wealthy, but you think like a pauper. What if you had been anointed to reach thousands, but you think tens? What if you had been anointed to preach to nations, but you only think neighborhood? What if you had been anointed to be powerful, but all you can see yourself is a weakling? Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, the anointing is, sitting at the right hand of God and set Your mind, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Set your mind above where your anointing is. Do you realize that's where your anointing is? We quote Matthew 18, 19 all the time because it says, If any two of you agree as touching anything, concerning anything that they ask, It will be done for my Father which is in heaven. We think two on earth, but God is just saying, hey, if I can get your mind to come into agreement with your spirit, I'd have two people in agreement. I would have the spirit, and I would have your mind in agreement. And if just you and the anointing tucked inside of you and your mind would come into agreement, anything you ask would be done for you. Will you change your thinking? You see, the anointing houses revelation, not information. Information is what you take in by the senses of your body. Revelation is uncovering what is already there. The things of the Spirit have to be revealed. They have to be uncovered. We talked about this last week in Matthew chapter 13 about the hidden treasure. I have revelation about who I really am inside my spirit. But you see, my mind has to uncover it. I get a revelation, and it's uncovered. And when I do get that revelation, and it's uncovered by my spirit, then I have a contradiction because my carnal mind is God's enemy. Can you change your thinking? Whenever God wants something, he does not speak to what he wants, he speaks to what holds it and tells it to let go. So when God, when God created the earth, God did not say, let there be tomatoes, potatoes, and squash. He said, let the earth bring forth, and what was already in the earth came out of it. God did not say to the waters, let there be salmon, halibut, and sea bass. God looked to the waters and said, bring forth, and the fish, the potential for fish was already in the waters, and so that is what came forth forth. God wanted man so God looked in the mirror and said let us make man in our image and out of his spirit, out of the potential of God, man came forth. You and I came forth. Your whole life is hidden in your anointing. You are like your father because he created you in his likeness. You have his image. You have his view. You have his weight. You have you have his splendor, you have his glory, you have his anointing, you have his expectations all tucked and hidden down inside of your belly, down inside of your gut. And he's waiting for your mind to wake up and get the revelation of who you really are in Christ Jesus. That's why when God speaks through sermons and through reading the word, he's not trying to get to you. He's trying to get what's in you to come out. Can you change your thinking? You see, the power to get what is inside of us, that anointing, that greatness that God destined you and I to be, the power to get that out is in the seed, and the Word is in the seed. And when you are born again, you have been born of incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Your thoughts are either corruptible seed or incorruptible seed. They're either after the first son, son Adam, the flesh, or they're after the second son, Jesus Christ, after the spirit. And that's why there's so much power in the thought. The thought is a seed, and it's going to produce either darkness or it's going to produce light. Remember last week we talked about two different kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. You're going to fall with your thought life in darkness or light. It's going to be one or the other, and that's why he's telling us set your mind on things above because for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks matthew 12 and 34 what is in your head or in your heart is going to come out of your mouth and that's why we need to get our mind to agree with our anointing so when we speak the weight of heaven the glory of heaven will be behind our words but we can't get our thought life to come into agreement with god's thought life because the carnal mind is enmity against god Now James 4, 7 starts to make a lot of sense. Submit therefore to God. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word submit means to come into agreement with God's thoughts. I first have to come into agreement. That's why Matthew 18 and 19 says if any two of you agree on earth, if you can get your mind and your spirit to come into agreement and submit to God to agree and have the same thoughts that God God thinks, then you can look at the devil and say, I resist you, now flee from me in Jesus' name. But if you can't get your mind to come into agreement with the spirit of God, the anointing that's inside of you, and you can't get your thought life to line up with God's thought life, you have no Power over the enemy. Romans 12 and 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Proof just means to allow. He's saying be transformed in your mind and allow so you will allow the will of God. My carnal mind is God's enemy. Our stinking thinking is God's enemy. And because we can't come into agreement with God's thoughts, we do not prove what is that good and acceptable will of God here on earth. That's why we don't see miracles, signs and wonders happening. Because I can't get my spirit, which the Holy Spirit has known since the foundation of the world, who God has called me to be, who I was created to be, what I was called to do. I can't get it to come into agreement with with god because of my carnal thinking if i don't have the mind of the spirit which comes from the word i cannot function out of the things of the spirit here's how this kind of happens we come into church and pastor preaches a great word and he says you're blessed Pastor gets up here and he prophesies and he says, and you're healed and, and, and we have this incredible service and this powerful move of God. And then we get up and we, we're we thinking in our mind, I'm, I'm not blessed. You don't know what kind of money I make, Pastor. I'm not blessed. You don't know. You don't know what I have to deal with in my daily life. Healed. I'm not healed. You don't know how long I've been dealing with this illness. You don't know how bad I feel in my body. You don't know me. You don't know what I got to put up with at work. You think I'm blessed. Are you kidding me? You have no idea. And we do that and we think that and we talk ourselves right out of the miracle and the blessing that God tried to get out of us in the service because of our carnal thinking. Can you change your thinking? So God said, set your mind on things above. What are you filling your mind with all week? Are you filling it with TV? Are you filling it with with TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat? What are you filling your mind with all week? Are you consuming philosophy of men and, and, and worldly philosophy? What are you consuming? Are you consuming pornography all week long? What are you putting in your mind He said to set your mind on things above. You know that word set is like if you get a broken bone and you go to the doctor, he will set and reset that bone. Very painful process. Do you know that that's what that word set is meaning? So God is already approaching your mind from the posture that it is broken. So take your broken mind about yourself. And reset it according to the Word of God. Take your broken mind about your marriage and reset it according to the Word of God. Take your broken mind about the character of God and who he really is, and reset it to the Word of God. Take your broken mind about the Kingdom of God and reset it according to the Word of God. Take your broken mind about healing and reset it according to the Word of God. Let the Word mend in affirmation of who you are. Not in contradiction to it so that your mind will agree with the anointing and no longer fight it. Will you change your thinking? The last thing that I'm going to cover that is really important. Then I saw this and this is one of those wow moments is Jude 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So in Ezekiel chapter 28, the angels fell and Satan fell from heaven. And we preach that Satan is in hell, but Satan is not in hell. There is a reservation and hell is reserved for him on the day of judgment, but that is not where Satan is. Let's look back at Jude 6. It says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So the angels had a proper domain in heaven, but they rebelled and they didn't keep their domain. And so they were cast out. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's each other. But against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we are wrestling rulers of darkness. That's the kingdom of darkness. Something that is above us. Not in hell, below us. So where are the angels if they are not in hell? Well, according to Jude 6, they're reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. So a reservation... It's like an Indian reservation. You know, at an Indian reservation, it's a governmental boundary that has its own set of laws and its own set of rules, its own set of regulations. That's why you can go to uh, a a reservation, an Indian reservation, and there are casinos. Uh, That's why on an Indian reservation, there's so much darkness and there's so much murder and there's drug use because they have a different set of laws that they're allowed to govern and follow within themselves, but they cannot... They cannot operate in their laws outside of their reservation. When they cross over that boundary, they then have to operate in the laws of the United States, not of their reservation. So the angels are on a reservation, and the devil and all of the demons are on a reservation, and they've been given full authority To govern according to their own set of rules and laws and regulations that do not line up with the kingdom of heaven's rules and regulations. But they have this power, and their boundary is one of darkness. That's what, so they're on a reservation, they're allowed to operate, and the boundary that they cannot cross over is darkness. Darkness is not the absence of a lamp. In the Bible, darkness is always equated with ignorance and light is always equated with knowledge. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Do you see the two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light? Light means reaching the Mind. We've not been called out of a room with no light into a room with some light. God has called you out of ignorance. God has called you out of not knowing and into his knowledge. God is trying to reach your mind as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. He's trying to get you to think like he thinks so you'll be like he is. We've been blaming all of our problems on the devil, but the Bible blames our problems on our thinking. Psalm 119, 105 said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So Satan has been given this much power. Are you ready for this? If you hear anything I say today, hear this. He's been given this much power. Satan has been given divine authority by God to operate in the confines of what you and I do not know. The boundary of darkness on the reservation Where the angels that fell from heaven, the demons and Satan, the boundaries that they can legally traffic and operate in our life are only in what we do not know. So if you don't know the word of God in that particular area of your life, you will operate and you will be meat on Satan's table and he will rip you to shreds because you do not know what you should know. And Satan knows this. That's why God said, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge in Hosea 4 6. And that's why Paul prayed Ephesians 1 18. It's the prayer I prayed over you this morning. I pray, oh God, that you would give them a spirit of revelation and knowledge and that you would open the eyes of their understanding so that they may know what is the hope of their calling, that destiny that was in you before the creation of the earth, so they may know what is the hope of their calling, that they may know. Know what is the greatness of the riches of the saints, and they may know what is the greatness of my mighty working power that's already inside of them. That's why Paul prayed that prayer. That's why Jesus said having eyes they can't see and having ears they cannot hear because the church has been operating in darkness for too long. So that's why Satan schemes to water down our pulpits. And that's why there is no word. That's why there is no light. That's why there is no knowledge to penetrate the illiteracy of the church. We are the most illiterate church probably that has ever been on the face of the earth. We have people who think Sodom and Gomorrah is a married couple. People don't know the word because they don't take time to get in the word. Will you change your thinking? Matthew, would you come and start to play? I'm going to close. You see, you'll never come out of the realm of darkness if you will not fill your mind with God's Word. You have to fill it with God's Word. That's why he said in James 1 and 21 that the Word of God has the power to save your soul. You know, he was talking to the church there. He wasn't talking to unbelievers. He was talking to the church. Why? Because they they were saved. They had accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They were living for him. And he said, the word of God has the power to save your soul. Wait a minute. I thought I I, I already was saved. No, you entered into the doorway Jesus said, I am the door and you accepted me, but you're still in the doorway and I can't get you to come into my house. The only way I'm going to get into the house and pass salvation is just supposed to be the beginning. It is not the end. It's the start of a life of authority, of a life of glory and majesty and splendor and goodness. It is a full life of fullness knowing all the power of God. And he's saying, I've got my word as the power to save your soul. I don't want you in the doorway. I want you to come into my house and your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. I'm trying to reach your mind. I'm trying to save your mind. Yes, your spirit's going to go to heaven, but you ain't living in my house. Proverbs four twenty and 23, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. That's your understanding. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's your belief system. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, your heart, that's your thought life, that's your soul. For out of it spring the issues of life. The enemy's job is to always put something in front of you that will contradict what is in you. So how do I fix this? What do I do about this? My mind is broken. It's carnal. It's fighting against the potential of the anointing of what I was created to be. What do I do about this? We started with the kingdom being like a treasure in Matthew 13 and 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It is past time that you and I get serious with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is past time that we get serious with how much time we spend in His Word. It is past time that you and I get serious about our prayer life. It is past time that you and I get serious about our relationship with God. Will you change your thinking? Here's my challenge to, do, to you. I would like to challenge you to get in the Word every single day for the next 30 days every day for the next 30 days today is November 1st yes even on Thanksgiving, let nothing, let no one keep you away from the presence of God. Let no one keep you from your prayer time. Let nothing keep you from getting in the Word of God, not Thanksgiving, not even Black Friday. Don't let anything detract you from the Word of God. And I'm going to challenge you, get in your prayer closet and get to know God. Get in your Word and get to know what His Word has to say about that situation that you are fighting I want you to get in the word because your life depends on it. The destination of where you are going depends on the level of revelation that you can get from God, and you will not find it if you will not seek it out. So we have to get serious. Church, we're living in the last days. We are seeing things we have never seen before. The church is under tremendous attack. And some of us are so casual, still with God. We'll watch five hours of TV and we won't even give God five minutes in his word. What's wrong? What has happened to the church? Why is the church sleeping while the pagans are praying? We have to fix this. I'm going to close and I'm going to pray over you. Would you bow your heads? What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you online, you're watching right now? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message? Will you submit to it? Will you give in to it? Will you obey God and what He's speaking to you today? I pray, God. And I ask you, Father that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and all understanding so that we will walk in a manner worthy to you, O Lord, to please you in every respect, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you, Father. We want to increase in the knowledge of you. And be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Joyously giving thanks to you, Father, who you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. For you rescued us, God, from the domain of darkness. And you transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So we'll open our eyes, God, to the truth of your word in Jesus' name and give us the strength to seek out the greatness that you put inside of us, to seek out the anointing so that our anointing, our spirit can come in agreement with our minds so that our carnal mind will stop fighting who you created us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.